Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Van Maren Show on LifeSiteNews.com. Today, again, I want to do a bit of a monologue because we are heading into the month of June. Now, the month of June just used to be one of the first months of summer, a, uh, a month where the temperature was still bearable and it was great to do things outside. Now, of course, uh, June has turned into the liturgical month of the LGBT movement, and what was once a day and then a weekend of, uh, of celebrations has now turned into a full month-long celebration of the LGBT movement, the LGBT identity, and the LGBT agenda. It's actually worse than that. The Canadian federal government now recognizes an entire Pride season of several months going from June all the way to September. And the, one of the key reasons for this is just to remind all of us who our new cultural overlords are, because the LGBT movement in an incredibly short amount of time has taken over every single aspect of our culture. And this is well recognized, I think, by any casual cultural observer. Every single major corporation in the country embraces the LGBT movement for the month of June. You'll see bank kiosks wrapped in the rainbow flag. You'll see rainbow stickers in front of grocery stores. My local supermarket here has giant, air quotes, progress flags on the glass sliding doors. So it sort of looks like, you know, a red sea of rainbow rainbows are opening as you go in to buy your groceries. And all of these businesses are doing this for a couple of reasons. Uh, they're doing this because they think that virtue signaling their support for the LGBT movement is a socially responsible thing to do now that the LGBT movement has gone uh, from a cultural underdog to the cause celeb. They're also doing it now because they think it's good business to do so because the LGBT movement is the most culturally powerful movement in the country bar none. Their ideology, not facts, ideology are taught in every single public school. Uh, they are increasingly taught in every Catholic and Christian school as well, with the exception of a handful of private school holdouts. We talked on a previous podcast about what will happen to those holdouts in post-Christian Canada uh, in the coming years and in the coming decades. The LGBT movement owns the art scene. It's virtually impossible uh, for any major TV franchise, film franchise, or even literary children's book series to exist without having major LGBT characters put front and center. Parents tell me all the time now that it's basically impossible go, to go to the public school, or sorry, the public library and just let your kids loose. Uh, in the children's section, because the children's section is now basically overrun by LGBT literature about gay penguins and crayons who have the wrong label. Get it? They're transgender. And the same thing is now true, of course, for drag queen story time, which is not only a brand new phenomenon, it's a phenomenon that we are told by the state broadcaster, it's the CBC, which we pay for with our tax dollars, uh, that this is a fundamental part of the Canadian identity dressing in 
drag, the state broadcaster says, almost every week in its coverage, is a fundamental Canadian human right. And more than that, apparently Canadian drag queens, which are males dressed up as these hideous caricatures of women, uh, have the right to read stories to children. I personally think, and I make no apology for saying this, that it's weird that cross-dressing men are so obsessed with reading books to children. This is not something that's been happening for decades that conservatives are suddenly objecting to. This is something that started a couple of years ago and is now mandatory not only in the United States and Canada, but in the UK and seemingly wherever English, the English language is spoken. And it's not just in big cities like Toronto and San Francisco and Vancouver where you expect this sort of degenerate thing to happen. It's happening in small towns and small communities. And in many cases, what we see is the LGBT movement really focusing on small towns and small communities. It really bothers them when small towns and small communities that aren't primarily run by LGBT activists or their very, you know, groveling serfs uh, it bothers them that these people actually are living lives that are not bespangled by rainbows. It bothers them when people don't actively advocate, support, or offer their submission to the ideology that they have devoted their lives to. And we see this all the time. We saw this quite a bit in the prairies over the last couple of years um, when you know LGBT activists tried to ship uh, other LGBT activists from major cities down to small towns in Manitoba and Saskatchewan to initiate pride parades uh, because there was no local appetite for starting a pride parade of their own. But of course, every town must have one. And so we see, you know, big city activists attempting to culturally colonize small communities that aren't yet woke enough to have gotten with the times. Uh, we see the same thing when it comes to local votes on school boards about what sort of books to include in children's libraries. You'll have activists driving out from the big city to impact uh, small town votes, which we recently saw in Brandon, Manitoba, with a vote on whether or not certain books should be permitted for children. And again, the garbage coverage in the Canadian mainstream press uh, was that book banning in Brandon had been averted. And I think it's important for listeners to note that one, insisting that a book is not age appropriate for a certain group isn't banning that book. Its words mean something and you can't simply bend them to mean what you would like them to mean. Uh, but secondarily, the books in question in the fracas in Brandon, Manitoba this month was actually graphic sex manuals explaining to children how to engage in various homosexual and heterosexual sex acts. Uh, if you would like to second-guess my description of these as graphic sex manuals, there are now screenshots of these books all over Twitter, so they're pretty easy to find if you'd like to fact-check me. Now, what I want to do in this uh, podcast here is just to make one really important point uh, as June uh, is upon us. Uh, and that point is that we need to understand how the LGBT movement functions because we're going to be seeing this sort of coverage in spades now, especially for the next four weeks. Because as we approach this month of public orgiastic celebration of weird sexual fetishes and watch Canadian Institute institutions, excuse me, compete to see who can grovel the lowest and flag wave the hardest, politicians will arrive to genuflect 
to their cultural overlords and corporations and expensive flo- will send expensive floats to these festivals of nudity and indecency that organizations like to call parades. And of course, we're going to see the LGBT flag hoisted above schools, city halls and businesses. And what will happen throughout all of this? What will happen through what will be the most obvious and naked show of cultural power that happens in Canada every year is that LGBT activists will insist throughout all of this that they are victims. Keep in mind that this is a movement that is so powerful, politicians have to either attend Pride events or explain why they're not attending these events. And even if they give some lame excuse for why they they don't want to go without just simply saying they're not into parades that feature men in bondage gear and the nudity of lots of middle-aged people, they will be condemned by the LGBT movement as insufficiently open-minded. This is an incredibly powerful movement that has the big C conservative parties almost completely domesticated. And yet, yet, these activists will claim that they're victims. Let me give you the sort of three steps of how this grift works, because it's obviously a lie. Uh, These activists are obviously attempting to gaslight all of us, and yet it's an incredibly effective strategy. We see it working all the time. The news media is constantly covering the LGBT movement as if the LGBT movement is a victim in desperate need of our constant support, advocacy, tax dollars, and celebration. And no matter how much of that they get, no matter how obviously powerful they are, regardless of the fact that they own public education, that they own the corporations, that they have most politicians grasp firmly by the nethers, they will still claim, again, that they are the victims in this scenario, and that Christian or simply Canadians of common sense who don't want to participate in these festivals of indecency, that those people somehow are the oppressors. Keep in mind here that less than 11% of, of Canadians attend any form of public worship, even monthly. That the percentage of Canadians who attend church regularly is actually somewhere south of 4%. (coughs) Excuse me. And so the Canadians are a tiny minority. Practi- or sorry, practicing Christians in Canada are a tiny minority. And yet, again, the LGBT movement, which is enormous and incredibly powerful, will claim uh, that Christians are oppressing them. They'll do this. F- so this is kind of how their grift works. Step one. LGBT activists will insist that everybody fly the LGBT flag to overtly announce support for their ideology. Step two. Some institutions will decline to fly this flag for reasons ranging from religious to community unity. Doesn't happen often, but you are seeing it happen occasionally. Step three, LGBT activists then characterize this refusal to proactively show support for their agenda as, quote, backlash. Canadian media obediently characterizes it as such, and LGBT activists are now victims of their target's refusal to participate in the narrative they themselves have created. It's a pretty neat trick. And it's something we see unfolding in communities across Canada. The strategy is so brazen that it only succeeds due to a a potent combination of the cowardice of our politicians and the uniform and total collaboration of our press. But let's look at a couple of recent examples that highlights how this works. 
Earlier this week, the York Catholic District School Board in Ontario voted 6-4 against flying the LGBT flag at the Catholic Education Centre during June. Now, this to normal people just a couple of historical minutes ago would not be considered a story, right? Breaking news, Catholics are Catholic. But because in this new culture that is owned by the LGBT movement, everybody must declare their feel their loyalty. This is now a major story with almost every major Canadian network and Canadian newspaper reporting on the crazy story of a Catholic district school board declining to fly the flag of a hostile LGBT ideology over their own buildings. Considering how ballsy and how brazen you have to be to make this accusation and to consider this a story. It made headlines at the state broadcaster, which I suppose is unsurprising, all things considered, not least in, uh, due to the fact that LGBT activists actually shouted at Catholic school trustees after the vote and then promptly made veiled accusations of violence. Now, of course, again, words don't mean what they're supposed to mean because the police have been called at at least three recent board meetings over this issue, and it was not the Christians who were getting rowdy. And now, what happened? Well, of course, representatives of the LGBT community are now coming forward to claim that the York District School Board declining to fly their flag is evidence that LGBT people are being victimized, that they are at risk of violence. Uh, Consider this statement from Tristan Kuhlman, who is the president of the York Region Chapter of PFLAG, and he announced this in a statement on May 30. This school board is unsafe for York Region's LGBTQ2IA plus community and is kept unsafe by a group of the York Catholic Board trustees who weaponize their faith against marginalized communities. Listen to that again for a second. The school board is unsafe for York Region's alphabet soup community and is kept unsafe by a group of York Catholic Board trustees who weaponize their faith against marginalized communities. Keep in mind here that what Kuhlman is referring to is the decision not to fly an ideological flag. That is what Kuhlman is referring to. That is the decision that Kuhlman claims, without any irony, makes York Region, quote, unsafe. The reality here, of course, is that, again, this is gaslighting because it's Kuhlman and his Rainbow Mafia that are weaponizing their ideology, and they're doing so against a religious institution. Now, a similar scenario unfolded in Norwich, Ontario, where the local city council voted to limit the flags flown on civic property to federal, provincial, or township flags. What they decided was because there was disagreement in the community over LGBT ideology, that they would fixate on flags that unified everybody and that represented everybody in the township. (coughs) It's a very small township. It's only about 11,000 people. And here is what Councillor John Schulten had to say uh, about the limitation of flags. Quote, whether flown together or apart, these government flags are all we need to represent the diverse and multicultural citizenship in Norwich Township. By flying these flags alone on township property, we can coexist in peace and harmony no matter who we are or what we believe. 
that shouldn't be particularly controversial. It's true that the Canadian flag, the Ontarian flag, uh, the civic flag, these represent everybody who lives in the township. And as such, they are fundamentally inclusive flags. And deciding to restrict the flags flown to inclusive flags is an inclusive thing to do. It's a way to avoid division. But keep in mind here uh, that LGBT activists are incredibly entitled and incredibly arrogant. And they are used to owning the country. They are used to having their pet banners, their pet flags, which are always changing, fly wherever they want. They are not be, they are not used to being told no. And so in response, Councillor Alicia Stubbs, uh, who actually resigned over the council's decision, stated, and get this, so this is what a councillor actually said in response to a bylaw that was passed in order to restrict the flags to just a couple of inclusive flags. It's directly, specifically, and horrifyingly discrimination, and it's a clear violation of the Human Rights Code. Again, keep in mind here that what this woman is referring to is a decision not to fly the flags of specific ideologies, but because the flag that represents her ideology is included in the ban, she claims that human rights have been violated. I was not aware that there was a human right to have various levels of government fly flags representing your worldview. There is no human right to have flags representing your specific worldview flown by various levels of government, especially not when other taxpayers do not happen to share your ideology or share your worldview. <clears throat> and that's fine. In a democracy, people will disagree. People will have different worldviews, which is why restricting flagpoles to flags that actually have maximum inclusivity is a very wise thing to do if you would like to avoid all kinds of dissent. But the sense, like the sense of entitlement displayed by Councillor Stubbs and her fellow activists who spoke at some of these council meetings was really like breathtaking and palpable to watch. Their message was incredibly clear. It is our right to have a, our flag representing our specific political views fly on Main Street and everywhere else, and you are dangerous, unsafe bigots if you refuse. That was their view. That was the message that they constantly stated. Again, they feel entitled to have everybody else overtly offer recognition of their views. And Tammy Murray, the president of Oxford County Pride Committee, took it even further. This is what she said, and this is just gaslighting. This is an attempt at emotional blackmail. Quote, I think our safety is at risk in Norwich, Ontario, and I think this was demonstrated not just by banning pride flags, but also they did not endorse the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee, and they also refused to proclaim Pride Month. All of the above is concerning in terms of their understanding of oppression and marginalization. So again, when a council that is has everything to do, by the way, with just working inside the township and isn't generally in the practice of endorsing massive cultural movements on one side or the other, but because they don't go along with Murray's personal beliefs, which are not shared by many other people in the township, they are guilty of actually putting our safety at risk. This is just a naked attempt to blackmail people into thinking that if everybody that they meet doesn't actively affirm what they believe about themselves, about the world, about human nature itself, that if these things don't happen, uh, then 
they are going to be hurt in some way. Um, this is the equivalent of a child threatening to throw him or herself down the stairs if you don't give them what they want. This is what is going on here. That is what this actually is. Again, consider all the examples I just gave you. These people are claiming that they are at risk of violence if somebody doesn't fly their personal flag on somebody else's property. If I claimed that I was at personal risk if somebody didn't fly a flag representing my worldview, I think we would all agree that I was being ridiculous. Now, of course, unsurprisingly, the uh, Oxford County Pride Committee is filing a human rights complaint because they believe sincerely in the human right to have the flagpoles uh, of the township or of, of various levels of government uh, fly the flag representing their personal views. Again, these are their personal views. The LGBT flag is the flag of an ideological movement with a specific ideological agenda. And in Canada, we are not required to believe in that ideology or to participate in it. And in fact, with all this talk about in, you know inclusion and diversity, if you take a look at the data of non-white Canadians, the majority of non-white Canadians don't actually buy what Tammy Murray and Alicia Stubbs and the rest of them are selling. Uh, the worldview that they're promoting is primarily the worldview of post-Christian white Canadians. And so if we're going to talk about the diversity of views in Canada, I think it bears mentioning uh, that their view is actually the view of an exclusionary few. But you see how this works. LGBT activists demand overt support for their agenda. This isn't about live and let live. This is about you overtly supporting them by raising a flag or attending a parade or recognizing their month. If that support is not immediately forthcoming, they accuse those who disagree with them or are simply disinterested in wading into a culture war by waving a flag of some sort or another of making communities unsafe with the implication being that people will literally die if we do not all loudly affirm their beliefs. And the press, for their part, promptly publishes reports like this CBC column from earlier this month. Let me read you this title. As pride flags are once again targeted, two LGBTQ advocates say it's as important as ever to fly them. I really do wish uh, that these movements would just pick an acronym and stick to it for longer than five minutes. It would make it much easier to cover them. You'll notice that uh, of the several people I just quoted, all of them used a very different uh, acronym. So 2SLGBTQ would be Two-Spirit, Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, Queer. Uh, But the other guy, um, uh, Tristan Kuhlman, uh, referred to LGBTQ2IA+, which is lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, two-spirit, intersex, asexual plus, which just means to be continued. Uh, there's more coming. Hold your horses. Um, looking forward to their new flag and looking forward to hearing why it's a, hu- a human right to fly that flag and why I'm a bigot for not liking the new flag. So... This is just a bit of insight into their strategy. Um, And you know what? I would come to the opposite conclusion of the CBC. 
I would argue that these flags are very, very obviously the conquering banner of an ideological movement that is seeking to colonize all of culture. Uh, we know that flags have been used, planting flags has been used by colonizing movements uh, for centuries, and the LGBT movement is no different. And the reason they're offended they can't plant their flag in Norwich or, you know, atop the Catholic buildings of the York District Catholic School Board is because that indicates their colonization isn't totally complete and that there are still inches of territory that aren't uh, have not been claimed in the name of the LGBTQIA plus to be continued. And that's why I think it's increasingly important to create public spaces that are neutral and welcome to everyone, rather than flying the banner of this conquering intolerant movement. And so hopefully as you head into Pride, uh, Pride Month, air quotes, it's actually June, uh, but uh, if you live in Norwich, they didn't declare Pride Month, so that's nice. Most of the rest of Canada, however, uh, has definitely declared that Pride Month is, uh, is, is, is something that we should all be celebrating or be damned as bigots. Um, but you're going to be reading a lot of stories like this, and hopefully now when you read those stories, you'll, you'll get a bit of an idea of, of what they're doing, right? So again, the three steps of the LGBT strategy here. First, they insist that everybody fly the flag to overtly announce their support for their ideology. Second, some institutions will decline to fly this flag. And then three, LGBT activists will characterize this refusal as backlash and insist that they are victims. So it's backlash if you just say, no, things are going to stay the way they are no we don't need to fly that flag we're just going to keep on doing what we've always done that's that's backlash to the lgbt movement in other words it's this conquering movement that's surging forward when you're like hey wait like you can't come here they're like hey hey hey, why why are you saying this this is backlash right it's just ridiculous it's like overt psyops it's complete and total gaslighting and everybody needs to call it out People need not to fall for this garbage. People need not to think that just by declining to participate in something, that they are somehow at fault for, quote, creating a backlash. Because the result is this is a tremendously intolerant movement that wants to hoist their flag over all of our spaces, regardless of where those spaces are. I think they pay special attention to smaller communities simply because it drives them crazy that not all small Canadian communities are completely interested in having the sorts of degenerate displays you see in downtown Toronto and Vancouver for a month every summer. Uh, and as such, I think uh, it's good that there are still at least a few examples in Canada. It's not just uh, Norwich. It's not just the York District School Board. There are some places in, in BC and the prairies that have done the same thing, uh, all of which, of course, are held up as examples of, of why LGBT activists, despite the fact that they pretty much own Canada, are still the victims. And because they're still the victims, they need more federal funding for the government. Because they're still the victims, they need to have months of a whole pride season instead of just a pride uh, month, which used to be just a pride weekend, which used to be just a pride parade. Pretty soon, they'll have the whole year. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, try to stay sane for the month and just make sure that you know what they're doing when they're trying to gaslight you. Thanks for joining us this week. Head over to LifesideNews.com, click on the podcast tab. You can find past podcasts and subscribe to future podcasts there. Thanks for joining us this week, and we do hope you'll join us again next week.